Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Uh, today we have Reese White, and if you all don't know Reese, he has been doing some of the dynasty fantasy work for us at Just Baseball. Um, Reese, t- tell the people what else you do. So I started this the week before this comes out. I started doing the dynasty mailbag because I thought there was a space that Just Baseball could really break into, just being able to get people's questions and answer them. I, um, let's see, what else have I done? I did a bunch of the stuff for spring training, like prospects to watch in that. And yeah, this Dynasty Mailbag is like a big one. It's, it's this really fun article. I mean, I pretty much answer any question. Like It ranges from like, what do you do with Jared Kalanick to someone wanted my thoughts on the Adam LaRoche retirement for some reason. <laughs> so it's really up to whatever people want me to talk about and we can go in any sort of direction. It doesn't have to be super serious, but it can also be like, we can get into any sort of dynasty topic, any redraft, any trades, because trade season is going to start popping up here soon because teams are going to start to realize that they're behind in the roto standings and then they're going to have to adjust accordingly, go chase stats. So, yeah, um, feel free if, after you listen to this to I'll put it out on Twitter, but you can DM me, you can email me, you can do whatever you want. However, you, you can write me a letter if you want and I'll, I'll find a way to get it in the mailbag. Reese, I, I love the way that you write because I, I feel like we have a similar writing style in one sense that we we like to add some wit and some humor to it at times. And the Adam LaRoche retirement story, if you don't know that, go to the Dynasty mailbag. It's buying or selling, and there's Jared Kelnick on the, the cover there. You can find that at justbaseball.com um, and read that story about Adam LaRoche. It's pretty funny. But today's episode, we will run through some streaming options. We're going to run through some waiver wire pickups, and we're going to run through some Dynasty League talk. And it may be a little bit quicker episode this time. Those who don't know, Reese lives in California. So it's 6 a.m. his time Sunday morning. We are recording 9 a.m. Eastern, my time in Kentucky. So I don't want to keep Reese up too long here. But um, so let's dive into the waiver wire options. One name that, and, and feel free to talk about the Dynasty value of any of these players as well. Jack Sawinski from the Pittsburgh Pirates owned in only 5% of leagues, depending on where you look, it's even less than that. And I want to bring him up um, mostly for deeper league options at this point, but 244, 357, 634 slash five home runs. And he's a player who showed some pop last year. And, you know, the Pirates team wasn't that great and he struck out a lot and he still does have swing and miss concerns, but a Babbitt of 208 with an expected batting average of 274. I'm not reading too much into those expected stats this early in the season, but it's just, I just want to mention it so that people understand, okay, maybe he's a little bit unlucky to start the season already has five home runs. Average exit velocity is already up to 95 miles per hour, which is awesome to see. 24% barrel rate, 55% hard hit rate. Why do I bring up Jackson Winsky? It's mostly because deeper leagues, I think he's rosterable right away. And what we've seen from the advanced, you know, batted ball data is he's hitting the ball well, which is step one, especially a player like him who relies on power. And the Pirates team, you know, they're looking pretty damn good. 
I'm not saying that they're playoff bound. They're looking like an improved team. I like Jack Zawinski. Reese, any thoughts on on Zawinski? Yeah, he's sneakily younger than I think you'd realize. He's only 24 years old. He's he's one of these guys that he was like a non-prospect for a long time. So you would think that he's like almost like 26, 27, 28. He's 24. So there's definitely some dynasty value in there. And I think one of the big things for him that really helps you out is, yeah, he strikes out a little bit. Like in the majors, his career strikeout rate is above 30, 30.6, which is kind of alarming. But also he offsets that by walking a lot. He's always been, even in the minors, he was always hovering around 10% walk rate, which is something you definitely want to see. He's going to hit the ball really hard. Um, I think we're witnessing like a breakout. Like last year was really good, but he was on the Pirates. The Pirates team last year was kind of just like they legally had to put out a roster. It seems like this year they're not a great team. Unfortunately, O'Neill Cruz got hurt, which is very unfortunate. But it seems like the rest of the team just looks like, you know, they actually are have a coherent plan and want to start, you know, actually not being the worst team in baseball. So I definitely have been enjoying the pirates. I've been watching a lot of them. The pirates fans are great on Twitter. Um, and I really, I really like Jack Swinsky. I think he's definitely in deeper leagues, definitely viable. And especially, I think there's going to, there's some, there's a lot of dynasty value here. You're not going to get a lot of stolen bases, but I mean, if he keeps up the current rate that he's at a home run every three games, which I don't think he will, but you never know these days. That could be exciting, and in the new stolen base environment, he could pop 5 to 10. So I'm definitely excited about Jack Swinski. A player that last year became a fantasy option for some, the Pirates had so many outfielders that were kind of in the same build, like guys who needed opportunities coming up from AAA. This year, a little bit less of that. And I think he has a better chance of stealing everyday roles going forward than he did last year. And just to the Pirates' credit, they filled out their lineup with vets who were not terrible, right? Chi Manchu and um, Carlos Santana, Joe Connor, Connor Joe, like pretty decent overall players. And even Connor Joe is a guy who's probably rosterable in some leagues, depending on how deep it is with positional flexibility. I don't think the Pirates suck, which is something I've not said in a very long time. Um, I wanted to talk about some Tampa Bay Rays players. We all know from a fantasy perspective, Rays players can be tough to roster. The reason why is because none of them, few of them, tend to play every single day. So if you're in a league, especially where you can't make roster moves daily, it's kind of difficult to justify rostering some of these players. But, man, it's just standing out like these players are just sitting on the waiver water. Taylor Walls, around 22%, that number keeps jumping. Owned 22% of leagues. That number is going up and up. Harold Ramirez, 17% owned. And Josh Lowe, 40% owned. Walls is the player here with a ton of positional flexibility. And he's playing well. Keep in mind, tiny sample size to begin the year. I don't, I never saw Taylor Walls like as a prospect being anything more than just a kind of a fill in guy, maybe a bench role. Um, I never really saw him as like a fantasy option, but here we are, 333, 440, 667 to start the year. Three home runs. Don't expect him to be a power hitter. I expect him to come back down to life, but are we buying anything from the Taylor Rawls hot start? I definitely buy a little bit into it. Like you said, there's a lot of uh, positional versatility. He's someone who can, he has second base, shortstop, and third base eligibility, depending on the eligibility of your leagues. I mean, he's played seven games at third, 
six games at second and two games at short. So he's definitely going to bounce around a lot, which is valuable, even as like your bench player in fantasy. Uh, he's, I mean, he's hitting probably better than he's ever hit in his entire career, like even in the minors. He wasn't exactly known for hitting the ball very hard or, you know, taking, making a bunch of contact, but he's definitely hitting the ball well. I mean, if you look at certain projection systems, he's almost there to a season t- tally. Like the bat projected him for five home runs this season. He's at three already. I mean, that's pretty that's pretty impressive for him. And I think we're at, witnessing a little breakout. But like you said, the hard thing about race players is that you have to understand they're not going to play. Like Brandon Lau, he has like a sub-700 OPS against lefties, which for a lot of guys and a lot of other teams, they play. But the Rays just don't do that. They decide that they're going to get the best lineup out there every single chance they can because they need to play those tiny little margins. So even like a guy who we all draft pretty highly, Brandon Lau, doesn't play against lefties. So it's definitely something that it's it's frustrating. But, I mean, from a real-life baseball perspective, you can understand because they have so many guys. They just have like – it seems like they have like 40 guys in their 26-man roster who can come up and play and play for almost any other team. Taylor Wall switch hitter, so – he might actually, if he keeps hitting well, like there would be less of that, less of the platoon option for him. Now, of course, you know, they may want to get Paredes in at third base or something, or, you know, they, they play so many lineup games. Just know any player that you pick up from the Rays, you will be frustrated at times with playing time. Next player, Harold Ramirez, 382, 443, 691 slash four home runs, four home runs. From Harold R- Ramirez, we all know him as a batter. The past couple of years, good contact bat, puts the ball in play, plays against lefties quite a bit. May have lucked into some power, but is he going to play enough to really be an option in fantasy? Now he does have first base outfield eligibility, DH eligibility as well for some leagues that work that way. So, any thoughts on Harold R- Ramirez? I'm just surprised he's playing as much against <laughs> yeah. uh, like. It, but just this Rays team, like, they're really good. They're really, like, I feel like there's something special there. I mean, last night, I mean, just not to get on too much of a tangent, I mean, they the White Sox, who do some of the dumbest things you'll see on a baseball field, but they decided to walk uh, Wander Franco to hit to go attack um, Randy Rosarena, which was interesting. But, yeah, this this team is just, it just seems like everybody's producing. Uh, Harold Ramirez is looking like the best version of Harold Ramirez. And I, I, I'm all, I'm all here for it. I have him in like a 30 team league. So I'm picking and choosing my spots with him. But I think outside of deeper leagues, I'm not really too like buying into Harold Ramirez right now. Yeah. Neither am I. Um, I think he's a fine option. If the way that I see him is, you know, it's Friday afternoon, you're down a certain amount of points or categories you're, you're trying to fill in and there's two lefties he's facing this weekend. Something like that. Like, if you can pick him up for short stints, I like that move. Um, you know, he, he doesn't offer a ton of upside, in my opinion. But the thing about all these race players is they're scoring a million runs. If you're in a league and you're falling behind in the runs category, maybe you can just see who the Rays are playing that weekend and scoop up whoever you think's the best option because you know they're going to get a couple of runs. It seems like the last race player, Josh Lowell, 345, 390, 691 slash four home runs, four stolen bases. I want you to talk more about the dynasty side here. He's already owned in 40% of leagues. Again, player who's not going to see everyday playing time. Really interesting blend of power and speed to start the season. I think we all know from his prospect days what he can offer and how good of a fielder he can be. And the type of player that 
could be the everyday center fielder and why they were able to move on from Kevin Kiermaier is because they had a guy like Josh Lowe ready to go. I love Josh Lowe. I loved him as a prospect. But he, the thing is, is that he can't hit lefties, like, at all. Like, it's it's bad. So he's going to get platooned. And in a division like the American League East, especially, I mean, now that we're in that new schedule where it's not as impactful, it used to be pretty important. Like, the American League East was rolling out lefty after lefty, so he probably wouldn't even be playing. But now with this more balanced schedule, I think he becomes a little bit more viable. And he's like all these other race players that – it's they're I think they're better in like leagues where you can make daily changes because weekly yeah. lineups they get get can get, get kind of unless you're really good at planning ahead, which good on good on you if you if you are one of those um, managers and whatnot. But yeah, I think he's the power and speed has been fantastic. He was someone who in redraft leagues I love getting him like late in the draft because I was like there's nothing but upside here, and if he's terrible. And it's all, it's just an easy drop, but the dynasty value has really gone through the roof because he definitely had a lot of prospect fatigue and he had that terrible first showing in the majors. So it's great to see the value bounce back because this guy who could probably, I'm not going to say 30 home runs, but like 25 home runs, 20 stolen bases is definitely well within the cards for him. If he play, if he gets, you know, plays against a bunch of, plays against a bunch of righties and everything. So I love Josh Lowe. I can't I can't emphasize that enough. Him and James Outman were like two of my guys this year that I was going after and getting. And yeah. I feel like I've been doing pretty all right in those leagues that I got those two. Speaking of James Outman, I, I want to pat myself on the back because I had to tear myself down the past few episodes. I picked up James Outman right off the waivers, 10-man league, beginning of the season. Man, has that been great. Reese, I don't know if you know from previous episodes, but I dropped Sean Murphy. Um, early in the season, which is my teardown moment. Do you have a player or players that you want to share with us that that you dropped too early, or you a player that you picked up that you want to brag about? Well, I definitely picked up uh, James Altman in a uh, redraft league, and that's been doing well. Um, I don't know if I dropped anybody too early yet because I feel like there's just so much. I, I dropped Brady Singer, but that's because, like I mentioned, that's in fine. the mailbag, he's he's not been good. He's been very bad. So. I'll take a little victory lap on dropping him early and then watching him just implode. But um, no, I don't think there's anybody that I've picked up yet that besides James Outman, I don't think I've dropped anybody that's really come back to bite me. I, I have a question though. Sean Murphy, what was the like? What was the decision to like? Yeah. What was what was it for? Like, was it a guy coming off the IL or was it like something where you were just like, I think this is a better catcher here because I think he's pretty good when, with a couple weeks that he gets hot. So what happened was I drafted him and, you know, in a 10-man league, you, you can kind of find catchers oh, yeah. somewhat easily. So he wasn't playing. Like he was playing on occasion when Travis Darno was healthy. So I was in a spot where I needed points to try to win that particular week. Logan O'Hoppy was available and playing well. I saw how much time he was playing, and I just wanted at-bats. So I pick up O'Hoppy, drop Murphy. Travis Darno concussion, Murphy starts playing all the time. So it's going to be interesting what happens when Darno comes back because Murphy's playing time was a concern when yeah. they were both healthy. And I, I, you know, in a 10 main league, I can afford to do something like that. Wish I didn't now, but it is what it is. Oh, Hoppy's on the IL. If, if you have not noticed that yet, anyone listening out there, um, Jonah Hines, a player to pick, to pick up. That's exactly what I did. And we talked about that on Friday show. Win the weekend. We said pick up Jonah Heim. He's played well this weekend against Oakland. Not a bad player. Let's go on to the last two waiver water pickups. AJ Puck owned in 10% of leagues. The Marlins closer. And the, you know, he was a good player in Oakland. 
A lot of people did not realize it because he was with the Oakland Athletics, soon to be Vegas Athletics or whatever. Um, one a, a one ERA to begin the year, nine Ks, four saves, picked up a save Saturday night. It's just a matter of time before he is like the 100% bona fide closer for the Marlins. He may already be considered that. Last year they bounced around like Tanner Scott was for a while. And like, so coming into the year, I was like a little hesitant, but they gave up JJ Blade, who I don't think is a good player, but a player that, you know, had value, I guess. And when they brought him over, I thought that, you know, that's interesting. They're bringing over a, a good bullpen guy and maybe he'll be the closer. And it's showing that so far sweeper fastball mix and, 95 on the fastball with a 30% whiff rate this year. Anything on AJ Puck? I'm happy to see him doing well because he was someone who I loved at the University of Florida. I thought this guy was just electric. And, you know, he's had a bunch of injury issues in his past. And he's pitched a lot less than I think people would realize. But 2022 with Oakland was his first healthy season ever. And it was, and he pitched really, really well. And then he gets traded. And like, like you said, I, I, I took a shot on JJ Bleday and like some of my deeper leagues. It's he's no, he's no longer on the roster anymore. He's not worth it. Um, he, if you can't crack that Oakland A's lineup, I, I just I worry for you. Um, so he's just been Puck has been fantastic. I really think he should be if he's not already their closer because like they were talking about in spring training having Tanner Scott and I was like I like Tanner Scott more than most, but the dude does not know how to throw strikes, so like you yeah. can't ex- exactly expect him to get saves if he's not finding the strike zone. And I mean, Puck already has four saves. Yeah. Like they're, they're letting him go. And I, the, the Marlins team's not great, but they're also not abysmal. So there's, there's save opportunities to be had. And the thing about it is you're not going to find a ton of closers under 10% owned that have the upside that he has, the ability that he has on a team that doesn't suck. Like, yeah. okay, you can pick up, some closers on some bad teams and hope to get one save a week. Not worth it. Go with AJ Puck. One last guy I want to talk about for you deep, deep leaders is Noah Davis. Um, if you have no idea who Noah Davis is, he's a pitcher for the Rockies. And the reason why I bring him up is not because I think he's excellent. It's because he's owned in less than 1% of leagues. So if you are looking for a starting pitcher, let's say you have some injuries, poor draft, you're doing everything you can to try to find a starting pitcher. Noah Davis, 9.2 innings so far this year. That's two starts, 0.93 ERA, 2.51 FIP, 24.5% K rate, 66% ground ball rate to start, hovering around 45% throughout the minors on the ground ball rate. Uses a ton of pitches. He has like five pitches that he typically uses, heavy sinker slider. Like I said, not a great option. Deep league, he may be worth it just to see what happens especially like a pitcher in Coors who has a ground ball rate that's, you know, a plus. I like that in terms of just like if I'm going to take a risk on a, in a, fly, a complete flyer on a guy, I don't think Noah Davis is great. I think that what we've seen so far is worth a shot in a flyer in a deep league. I would agree. I also think he's definitely someone that you really have to be very diligent about what how you're using him, like when you're going to deploy him in, into your starting lineup because – as much as the ground ball rate is fantastic, it's still cores and cores yeah. is it's it's not for the faint of heart. And I think he's definitely someone who 
because I was I looked up his game logs and everything, and he's played he played two really good lineups away from home. He played Philadelphia and Seattle, so those are two lineups that you don't really want to face. And he and he's performed well. He's he's striking out a guy in inning just over that, and he's not walking a lot of people either. So the whip's going to be in check. I just think if you if you use him and pick him up, just be very wary about him at home. I would almost err on the side of caution and say don't use him at home because I just feel like you're going to get your heart broken and it could, it's not going to ruin your week, but it could definitely hurt your week. I like it. So if you are not great with fantasy baseball, let's say you drafted a bad team. You're already sour on your team. Go play. So rare. So rare is a fantasy baseball game that makes you the owner. It's free to play. You can just go to so rare.com and you, and you can find it there. It's, you know, you don't have to pay anything. Now you can pay to get upgrades within the game, Build your own fantasy team with officially licensed digital cards, and you get to be the GM. Buy, sell, trade, construct a team, and compete to win for free prizes. And if you keep winning, you keep advancing. It's it, it's a fun game, Reese. I don't know if you've been able to play it, but um, if you haven't, definitely check it out. So rare, your fantasy baseball front office. A couple so, of streamers. Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. So I have got a chance to play, and I've been tailing our guy, Arum's um picks here so um yeah so it's it's definitely worth like checking out i know it's an ad read and everything but yeah definitely so rare is actually really really cool it is um, it's I'm, awesome. al- I'm always looking for different things in like the fantasy baseball space because it's a grind it, um as much as you know we're both podcasting about it we both know fantasy baseball is a grind so so rare has actually been like a really welcomed addition and i see a bunch of people putting up their lineups and i see them on twitter and i'm like yes i need to I need to get more into this, but yeah, yeah, I definitely think it's a fantastic product. Fun game. A few streamers for early in the week. We're going to breeze through these before we get into dynasty discussion. Um, Eric Lauer, who's really has to step up in that Brewers um, rotation, especially with the injuries that they've had on the 25th against Detroit. I love this matchup mostly because Detroit's not great. Eric Lauer's past two outings at San Diego and at Seattle. Boom, went six in one of them, went seven and two-thirds in the other. Three total runs surrendered, nine Ks in those outings combined. I like Eric Lauer, not only as a streamer, but you can pick him up. And if he pitches well, you may want to hold on to him for a while. Probably only available in, you know, 10-man, maybe a 12-man league if, if you're lucky. Griffin Canning, a name I have not thought about in so long. But um, he plays on the 25th as well against Oakland. If anyone listens to the show, you know I'm usually picking whatever pitcher pitches against Oakland. Um, They have the worst run differential through the first X amount of games in baseball history. History of baseball. Um, So, again, Griffin Canning, 3.48 ERA through two starts. Not going to provide a ton of Ks. Solid outing seems possible. Dynasty Baseball. Again, Reese did the Dynasty Baseball mailbag, buying or selling Jared Kalanick's hot start. You can find that at JustBaseball.com. Reese, the floor is yours. Tell us all about the Dynasty Baseball. Update us on who we need, who we need to drop, who do we target in trades. So I definitely want to keep you engaged. So we'll start with two Reds prospects that you and I have actually texted about. Carlos Jorge and Leonardo Balcazar, they are tearing it up in the lowest level of minor leagues that's going right now because we haven't started the uh, complex leagues yet, uh, which is the Florida, the Arizona, and the, the Dominican Summer League. 
But I think those two are definitely Carlos Jorge had a little bit of hype last season, like towards yeah. the tail end. But I think it's really starting to materialize because you're actually going to be able to start seeing him on MILB TV, depending on who they're playing. I know the oh, what is it? The Mets affiliate at that level. Yep. The Pirates affiliate. The Pirates affiliate is actually like the best stream in all of minor league baseball. <laughs> um, so um, now that team's not very good, but um, it's definitely if you're if you have MILB TV, which I think anybody in the dynasty space should, just because it's a nice. You know, sometimes those games start before the major league game, so it's something nice to have on the background, whether you're procrastinating working like I normally do, or you're just you know wanting to watch baseball and everything because baseball is the best. Um, but yeah, those two are definitely two guys that I so, think people should. So be part tell of. us a little bit about Carlos Jorge and what you like about him. Okay, Carlos Jorge. I like that there is a baseline of like batted ball that is really good, and I think that there's power, and I think there's a little touch of speed as well. I think he's also just like he's a more athletic than I think he gets billed for. Like he's like you know don't ever take what the height and weight on Fangraphs, MILB.com, um, because those teams, they have no need to update them. But he's listed at, like, what, 5'10", 160? I think he's a little bit more physically mature than that. Yeah. And he only has the one home run on the season, but people have to remember that the Florida State League is incredibly hard to hit home runs in because you have that marine layer above above the, like, because, you know, you're, in, you're in the, on the coast for most of these. And it's just, a, they're big ballparks. So, and these guys are also at the lowest level, like, so it's, you're not expecting 30 home run seasons, but yeah, he's has a home run. He has a stolen base. He's walking quite a bit. Like he's walking 15.2% of the time. And I know it's only 46 plate appearances, but that's still worth keeping, keeping in mind that this is a guy who throughout his entire mining career, is definitely a plus walk guy. So in OBP formats, he definitely gets a big bump there. I think this is a guy who, I don't know if he's top 100 prospect coming up soon, um, but I think he's definitely on his way there. Because yeah. the power, the speed, and I think he's going to play shortstop, second base, maybe moves over to third base. I mean, we all know the third base position can be kind of gross. So you kind of want to hope that some of these guys start matriculating to third base because it might be the worst position in fantasy baseball. Yeah, it's tough. It really is. I mean, it is rough. When we did the top 10 third baseman, I was like, oh, fun. The top four are awesome. Then it's like, oh, gosh, what happened here? Yeah. Um, to speak on your height and weight, now it's wrong on fan graphs and whatnot all the time. There's one that always cracks me up. How much do you think Felix Batista weighs? Felix Batista. I haven't thought about Felix Batista in quite a while. Closer um, for, for, for the Orioles. Big dude, six foot four, six foot five. Big dude. I'm going to say they list him at 170 pounds. They list him at 190. That dude is 240 plus. I guarantee it. So, oh, he's a big boy. Yeah. All right. Back to back to Di- Dynasty. What do you have next for us? Okay. Um, have you heard of Andrew Abbott and his of extremely Let's crazy about Andrew Abbott? Give us the rundown on his stats. Lefty second round pick from Virginia, I believe Virginia. Yeah. In um, a couple years back for the Reds. The Reds do not have a number four or a number five. We just saw Levi Stout get called up and get absolutely destroyed. Limited ceiling with him to begin with. Avid ceiling, top 100 type player in my mind. Um, not there yet, but tell us about Andrew Abbott. So just just to let you know how dominant he's been to start the season, he has struck out 64.3% of the batters he's faced. It's goofy. It's, 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 it's like... 
MLB the show numbers. His fastball and curveball are maybe one of the best combos in all of minor league baseball. And he's right there, like double A. I genuinely believe that if you can handle double A, you can handle the majors. So, or you can at least make that next jump. So I think it's, I think he's really on the precipice of maybe getting called up because I mean, he's, he's, these double A hitters are nothing for him right now. And I know it's only been three starts and 15 innings and whatnot, but pitchers, they get hurt all the time. So why are you going to waste the bullets? And the Reds aren't, they're not great, but they're also not abysmal with their pitching so far. The lineup needs a lot of work, but that's going to happen because they've got a bunch of these guys matriculating to the majors. Um, so I definitely think Andrew Abbott is, I think he's a top 100 guy, and I really think he should be pushing like top 50. Like I really like Gavin Stone. I would take Gavin Stone ahead of him. I would take Tanner Bibby of the Guardians. I would take, oh, um, I, I'm trying to think. There's not many pitching prospects I'd rather have than Andrew Abbott right now. Wow. Especially those who are about to graduate or on their way to graduating, like Taj Bradley, will probably graduate by midseason at this rate. And um, wow, I like to hear that. I can't wait to clip that and put that on Twitter and hold it against you forever in case anything ever happens. But okay, so you mentioned Brady Singer earlier. You talk about him in your mailbag. Anyone that has Brady Singer, go read the mailbag and find Reese's answer. What I want to ask is who are some players? in dynasty that you were either willing to trade off, like it's time to move on or just straight up. Are there any like major drop candidates that are actually big names and who are some players that you're ready to move on from? So a player I'm definitely ready to move on from. And that sucks because I love him. It's John Carlos Stanton. He just can't stay healthy anymore. Like you can't expect his legs to hold up anymore. And it's unfortunate because this is a dude who, if he ever stayed healthy, like he had that one season with the Marlins that was electric. It was yeah. what, like fifty something home runs. Like it was, it was wild. He he's someone who I'm not. I wouldn't drop him because I feel like you can still get something for him. But I don't think you're gonna get a premium asset anymore for John Carlos Ten, especially because the contact skills have definitely withered away. He's definitely become very three true outcomey. Like a yeah. lot of these older Yankee like veterans, like Anthony Rizzo all of a sudden is three true outcoming. And he wasn't like that with the Cubs. There's a little bit more contact there. I guess you play to your ballpark. And if you can yank the ball out of Yankee Stadium, why not? Um, but John Carlos Sands definitely a big one. Um, I would, I don't know if I drop Brady Singer. I mentioned that I would just kind of pick and choose my spots with him because, I mean, I don't think Brady Singer is going to be an ace. I, don't, I think that ship has kind of sailed. But I do think there's still like a viable fantasy starter that's viable and any format, 10, 12, 14, um, 16 team leagues. I just don't think he's ever going to be that SP2 Aaron Nola type, but I think a lot of people are hyping him up to be at some point in his career. Let's talk some strategy. Just general, you can apply this across the board. If you own players in a dynasty league that play for, let's say, and I'm talking MLB players, not, not prospect type players, but they play for like the Tigers that play for the athletics, that play for teams that are rebuilding, that aren't scoring enough runs, that, you know, whatever it may be, what point do you look to trade them? What point, or do you just hold on and hope for the best? Like, I'm looking at the Tigers, and if I own, like, Riley Green, if I own Spencer Torkelson, like, I'm concerned not only about them not playing as well as I think a lot of us hope they would have by now, and I know it's still young, they're still young and still early, but I'm worried about that team scoring runs. I'm worried about that team adding talent around them in the next couple of years. I don't want to wait that long. 
do you trade those type of players? Do you hold on to them? What is your strategy for, for rebuilding teams? So for rebuilding teams, it really depends on the player. I would Torkelson's been tough. I don't know what to gauge with him because I'm a big I don't know if you know, I'm a big Tigers fan, so I watch all the games and it, it I love the Tigers too. Yeah. Uh, they make me miserable. But um I watch Torkelson and I'm like he he looks like he's just about starting to figure it out. And I think the only problem is, is that we're playing fantasy baseball and we need runs, we need RBIs, um, and those are tough to come by on bad teams. Like you can only you can you can hit as many home runs as you want, but your the runs aren't and the RBIs aren't gonna be there. And I think for let's say Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green, I think you hold on to them. But like if for some reason you have like a Nick Maton who's been hitting leadoff for them, which he kind of shows you how bad things are. Um, then I mean he's fine. Nick Maton's a fine. Yeah, he's, he's a yeah. he's a major leaguer, I guess is the best way to put it. But he's not. He's nothing more than that. He's a bench um, option on a fine team. Yeah. Um, but he, if you have those types for some reason, I think you just sell them as quickly as you can. Um, I'm trying to think on the Tigers. That's not a reliever. Akil Badu, I like Badu. I, I genuinely think he's starting to figure it out. I mean, I, it sucks. I'm a big Tigers fan, like I said. So I think all these guys are starting to figure it out. So I can't get past that fan bias. Um, although I've gotten a lot better about it. I don't tweet about the Tigers anymore because I, I decided mm-hmm. that it's not worth not worth my time and not worth getting worked up over. But Akil Badu is definitely someone that if he has like two hot weeks, put him out there, trade him, um, move on. Um, and and if, and if for some reason you miss on that, that's – it, that's just the game of baseball. Um, I'm trying to think for a bad team like the Athletics. I don't know if there's. I really like some of their hitters. Like I like Ryan Noda, but I wouldn't be wasting my time with him because a he's a he's not he's not the type of player who's going to change anything. Like okay, Mason Miller, right? He just got called up, yeah. and I like Mason Miller. And people are going to spend a lot of fab money on him. You're going to see a lot of people doing. Twitter screenshots and everything. And I think it's fantastic. A, the guy can't stay healthy, but also he's on a team that is so bad that he's, there's no run. There's no, um, yeah. what was it? What's it called? Run uh, Jacob DeGrom. Run, yeah. There's no run score. Basically the Jacob DeGrom uh, issue with yeah. the Mets, but um, obviously Mason Miller's not that good or he could be, but who knows? He's a, he's a mystery, but those type of players, I'm not really trying to rush out and go get, I'm not, I'll, but if have two hot starts. You can have, I'll trade him up. Top dollar. So it's kind of one of those things where it's on a case by case basis, I guess. One thing I want to know. So I, I also cover the athletics at just baseball.com, which is that sounds something, something else, man. Watching every A's game is something else. I do it to myself. I volunteered to do it. I want to make that clear. Ruiz is batting leadoff now. Jordan Diaz, they just moved to the two hole. And Noda has played in the two hole as well. And that top of the lineup, actually, like, I kind of like it. Because if Ruiz gets on, Diaz is a contact hitter, and he's playing pretty well. Like, it, depending on your league, like, recent the 30-man league or whatever, like, Jordan Diaz may actually be an option that's, like, decent. But let's not waste too much time talking about these. Is there anybody else that you want to cover, touch on before we leave today? Well, I – I, I want to cover those Reds prospects, A, because you like the Reds, and B, I like those players a lot. I do want to mention um, Jackson Holiday. I know I wrote that big um, first-year player draft article, and I'm looking like I did really well on that one because Jackson Holiday is one of the best hitters in the minor leagues right now. He's So among qualified players, he is ninth in WRC+. He is 19 in single A. 
He's striking out 18%, walking 21%, and he's hitting, this is going to be kind of crazy, 404 batting average, 533 slug, 660, or 533 on base, 681 slug. This dude is crazy. I think he's genuinely like a top five prospect. Um, and I know he, I know there was some debate between Andrew Jones, Drew, Drew Jones, sorry, and Jackson Holiday. Uh, I think Jackson Holiday has proven that he's the guy. Awesome. Yeah. Baltimore is so interesting with all of those infield prospects. And I mean, he, it's a match made in heaven. They don't have the ace. They have a rotation full of four fives, maybe threes and Grayson Rodriguez. I'm not calling him an ace yet because he's pitched in a couple of games. Like they don't have that bona fide vet ace. They have all these prospects. Could something happen eventually? I don't know. Reese, thanks so much for joining us today. This is the Just Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. We will put out all of the articles that are being talked about in the description as well. Everyone have a great day.